Hey everyone and welcome to Questions. We're excited that you're watching. I'm with Pastor Joel and we have a question from Brian today. He asks, in what way is the Old Testament law still relevant for Christians today? I know like a lot of people are talking about Old Testament law. What would you say to Brian to that question? Good question. Um, so we need to kind of break down the Old Testament law because there's a lot there. So um, three primary categories, three divisions of the law. Uh, we have the moral law in the Old Testament. Uh, we have the civil law. We have the ceremonial law. So uh, ceremonial law would be um, a lot of the laws and regulations regarding um, the priestly sacrificial system. And so uh, laws regarding the priest, regarding certain animal sacrifices, certain uh, regulations and instructions for the building of the temple, and um, all, all these different things. Also laws in regards to a certain feast and, um, right. and practices, so like the Feast of Booths and Passover and um, all these kinds of things. So those would be examples of ceremonial law. So we would say that, um, that Christ, uh, what reforms uh, Christian faith has held, is that Christ has fulfilled because he is our high priest and he is the once and for all sacrifice. So he's both the priest and he is the lamb. So, you know, John the Baptist says, John chapter two, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So Jesus is both the high priest um, and he is also the lamb who was slain. So he's the priest and the sacrifice. And he is, as Hebrew says, he's the, the sacrifice made once and for all. And so this is a sacrifice that, that does not need to be remade. And so um, because of Christ, he has fulfilled the ceremonial law. So when we look to the Old Testament, the Levitical law, Mosaic law, uh, we'll see uh, ceremonial laws that have been fulfilled in Christ and are no longer binding on the conscience of Christians today. In fact, uh, to follow, uh, many of those laws would actually be um, uh, a sin. Uh, it would be ultimately um, unbelief. It would represent um, a lack of faith in the sufficiency of, of the person and work of Christ. Um, so that's the ceremonial law. The civil law um, are laws that were specifically given to Israel as um, a nation, uh, as a people. So we have uh, Israel as a theocracy. Um, we don't just have Israel, you know, we, we, don't, we don't just have Israel as a religion, but we have Israel as a state. And so we have um, the religion and the state um, combined in one. Um, and so that's unique to Israel. So Old Covenant Israel um, is not just a religion. It's not just a church. It is a state. It's a theocracy. And so there are certain civil laws given to Israel um, that that uh, would fall underneath um, a, a state law, civil law. And so that's unique to Israel because they're, they're not just uh, God's covenant people um, in terms of spirituality, religion, but they're also um, God's people in terms of being a civil state. And so um, and so in that regard, um, the civil law has been um, abolished at some level, uh, but both the Westminster Confession and the 1689 uh, London Baptist Confession uh, say that in regards to the civil law, um, the general equity, that is kind of the the root principle, the heart of those civil laws um, still exist for Christians today. So, for example, the Apostle Paul, when he's um, speaking in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5, when he's talking about uh, the, the need, the necessity, and, um, and the morality, uh, the moral importance of churches paying their pastors a wage, a salary, uh, he cites 
from the Old Testament civil law. He says, um, it is written, do not muzzle the ox while it treads the grain, for the worker is deserving of the wages. So he's citing a civil law that's not ceremonial, as it doesn't have to do with the priestly uh, sacrificial system, and it's not a part of the moral law, which is the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. We'll get there in just one moment. Um, it's a civil law, so it's not ceremonial, and it's not the moral law being the, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. It's the civil law. So the state of Israel was commanded by God not to muzzle oxen when they were treading out the grain so that the ox could um, could get some benefit from the work that it was doing. And so Paul cites that civil law and he's citing the general equity of it. He's citing the general principle of it. So he's saying, if in the civil law that God gave to Israel, an ox should not be muzzled when it's treading the grain, meaning an ox should be able to eat some of the benefit of the work that it's performing, so too a pastor should receive wages for the work that he's performing. So don't muzzle the ox while it treads out the grain. Well, the worker is deserving of the wages. In the same way, those who preach the gospel should gain their giving, uh, their living from the gospel, is what Paul says. So that's an example of the general equity of civil law being used. Uh, the moral law, the Ten Commandments, uh, this is what, again, uh, historic Reformed Christian faith has said uh, is still fully established and in full effect um, for all Christians today. And not just all Christians, but for all people. All people, Christian or not, um, Thou shalt not murder. That's for all image-bearing people. That is um, God's law for all people in all times and all places. And so um, this the moral law, or, or we could call it uh, within the realm of, of, of theology, we could call it natural law, is uh, it was written on tablets of stone at the time of Moses for Israel, the Ten Commandments, um, but it precede, precedes the Decalogue. Moral law precedes even that. Because Paul tells us, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, that, that these laws were written on the hearts of men. So before these Ten Commandments came to be written on tablets of stone during the time of, of Israel, in the days of Moses, um, they had always been written on the hearts of men. Meaning that, that human beings, even after the fall, even after sin, uh, human beings, because we're made in the image of God, we instinctively, in our heart, in our conscience, we know that murder is wrong. We know that theft is wrong. We know that it is it is wrong to dishonor our father and our mother. Uh, we know that there is one God. We know it's wrong to put any gods before this God or to take this God's name in vain. We, we know all of these things. Even the Sabbath, which would be the most contested out of the Ten Commandments, uh, even the Sabbath, we would say, precedes Exodus 20, when the Ten Commandments come to be written on tablets of stone, the time of Moses. Even the Sabbath precedes that because the Sabbath is a creation ordinance. So we see even in Genesis 1 and 2 that God, uh, he worked, as it were, on six days, and on the seventh, God, as it were, rested, setting for us. And it's not that God needed to rest because he was tired. The infinite does not grow weary. Um, the infinite also, the same way the infinite doesn't rest, the infinite in a technical, in a true sense, does not work. Um, but, but God worked as it were for six days and he rested as it were on the seventh day to set a pattern that we too should follow, a one in seven pattern. And we believe as New Testament Christians that Christ um, in his resurrection 
Christ, Jesus, the Son of God, who is the Lord of the Sabbath, that he did not abolish, he did not remove the Sabbath, but renewed, did not remove the Sabbath, but renewed the Sabbath from the last day of the week, Saturday, to the first day of the week, Sunday. And he did this by virtue of his resurrection. So we'd say that all 10 of the, uh, of the 10 commandments, the Decalogue is God's moral law or natural law that has always been written on the hearts of men and, and that was then written um, in more specificity on tablets of stone uh, for old, uh, old Testament Israel at the time of Moses, and then is reaffirmed, reestablished in the New Testament. Um, all the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, they're all reaffirmed by the apostles in the New Testament. The only one that is not is uh, as far as being explicitly stated in the New Testament, would certainly be the Sabbath. Uh, but we would say that the Sabbath, that it is implicitly um, affirmed by Jesus by virtue of his resurrection, and that he appeared to his disciples on the Lord's day. We would say even in um, the book of Revelation that John was caught up in, and had this vision that he wrote down on the Lord's day. Uh, we see the writings of Paul that, that when you gather together, talking about uh, taking up an offering, gather together and give something and do this on the first day of the week. And so we see this transition from the last day of the week to the first day of the week from the Old Testament um, um, Israel Sabbath to the New Testament Christian Sabbath. And so um, the moral law of God, the Ten Commandments, natural law, it's always been on the heart of men. It was written on tablets of stone um, for Israel, Exodus chapter 20. Uh, it's reaffirmed for New Testament Christians, even after uh, the, the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. And the Sabbath um, is not removed. All nine of the Ten Commandments are certainly not removed, but even the Sabbath is not removed, but rather renewed from the last day of the week to the first day of the week, the Christian Sabbath. And all of this is to be upheld by all people in all places for all times. And this is God's moral Law. So, so the moral law has not been abolished. Uh, Christ came and obeyed the law. He fulfilled the law. He did not abolish it. Uh, the ceremonial law has been fulfilled in a particular way by Christ, who is our sacrifice, our once and for all sacrifice, and our high priest. And so we don't need to do ceremonial law and civil law. Um, we are not a theocracy in the way that Israel was. And so civil law uh, does not have to be um, a one-to-one -one ratio obeyed as an American citizen, as it was for someone who was a citizen of Israel under the Old Covenant. But there is still a general equity, a general principle of civil law that is absolutely relevant for all people in all places and should be obeyed today. Like, do not muzzle the ox while it treads the grain, a.k.a. pay your pastor. I'm a fan of that one. So um, all those things being said, um, in those ways, the law is still relevant for today. We need to understand the three divisions of the law and, and understand how that all plays out. Um, but anybody who says that God's law is, is no longer relevant for today, uh, that really is, in, in the most technical sense, uh, the most basic sense, that is, um, uh, well, it's the, the doctrine of antinomianism, which is a heresy. And so that it is to be against, anti-against, nomian uh, law. And so antinomianism is the idea, uh, it's used in, in, in our culture today um, as somebody who is, you know, the opposite of a legalist, somebody who takes a lot of license uh, when it comes to certain moral practices, right? That's an antinomian. They're licentious. They're loosey-goosey when it comes to um, God's law. But really, um, 
in the most technical sense, to be antinomian is simply to believe that the law of God, Old Testament law, has been fully abolished. Um, and so uh, any any uh, Christian denomination or group or or, um, or view that would not hold to the third use of the law, that is that the law of God still serves for the Christian as a lamp unto their feet, as a guide, um, that, that would be an antinomian. So New Covenant theology, we, we would strongly disagree with. We would say that New Covenant theology is, um, in a sense, in a technical sense, antinomian. And so, so um, we, we would hold to the, the Westminster um, or the 1689 London Baptist position on the law of God. So that's it. Well, thank you, Pastor Joel. And thank you, Brian, for sending in that question. If you're watching us on social media, whether that's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, would you give us a like or subscribe to our, our uh, channel there? And if you haven't checked out our website yet, go to rightresponseministries.com. We have a ton of content there. And uh, if you have any questions, please feel free to send that in to us, just like we did today, answering Brian's question. We'd love to get to yours as well. We'll talk to you next time on questions. Thanks for tuning in to Right Response Ministries. As a reminder, all of our resources should only be used as a supplement and not a substitute for the local church. Be sure to check out our website, rightresponseministries.com, or download our free app. There you can find out how to join our team by supporting us monthly as a responder. As a responder, you will receive a Soli Deo Gloria t-shirt and a physical copy of Pastor Joel's book, Am I Truly Saved? Also, you'll receive an ongoing 10% discount on all items in the store, as well as access to free digital copies of all current and future books in the store. Thank you for your generous support.